Welcome to With You in the NICU, a podcast for infant patients' parents and practitioners. Each episode aims to last as long as a pumping session for mom, or you could listen to several while you practice skin-to-skin with baby. With You in the NICU is produced by the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation. This episode is made possible by presenting sponsor Medela with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. Your host for With You in the NICU is Jenna Morton, a parenting journalist and mother of two preemie boys. Welcome to this episode of With You in the NICU. My name is Jenna Morton. I spent several weeks in the NICU with my twin sons when they were born at 32 weeks. I'm glad to be with you today and joined by a special guest, Dr. Christine Chambers. Dr. Chambers is known internationally as a leading researcher and advocate when it comes to understanding children's pain. She holds the Canada Research Chair in Children's Pain, teaches in the Department of Pediatrics, Psychology, and Neuroscience at Dalhousie University, as well as working at the Centre for Pediatric Pain Research at the IWK Health Centre in Halifax. You might also recognize her name from the It Doesn't Have to Hurt campaign. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I want to talk about the awareness campaign in a little bit, but first I'd like to speak to some of the more fundamental aspects of infants and pain that are likely on the minds of the people listening to this podcast right now. We all know that NICU babies need medical interventions and that some of those can cause pain, everything from the heel pricks to IVs, surgeries. How can we as parents try to understand what level of pain our children might be feeling? Right. I mean, this is a great question. And, and, you know, no parent wants to see their child in pain. And certainly we know that babies who are in the NICU do need to experience a number of painful procedures and surgeries. And I think it's really important for parents to know that, you know, we've had a real shift in our thinking, both in the scientific community and the clinical community about pain in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. It used to be believed that pain was an unavoidable consequence of medical care. And increasingly now we know that, you know, uh, pain is avoidable in many circumstances, that there are evidence-based solutions that can make pain better from common procedures like needles um, and also from, you know, more, more invasive procedures like surgery. And so I think, you know, there's no sort of normal or to these kind of expected amount of pain. Uh, I think it's important for parents in the NICU to appreciate that their babies are at risk and require, you know, a number of procedures but that parents play a really important role in making sure and asking health professionals something as simple as, what are we gonna do about my baby's pain? Uh, Conveying to the medical team that pain management is important to you as a parent. Um, And again, we hope that every patient receives the best evidence-based care possible, but we know in busy clinical environments that doesn't always happen. So as parents, you do play a big role in letting your team Know that you expect your child's pain to be managed as well as it possibly can be. And so what are some of those pain management techniques that we should be expecting to happen? So, you know, for common needle-related procedures, there's lots of research that shows that skin-to-skin contact 
reduces pain in babies. Um, and, you know, we don't just mean that skin to skin, so holding your baby, um, you know, close, uh, you know, with the removal of any type of clothing or blanket between you and the baby. I mean, we know that um, it's not just comforting for the baby, that it actually is, serves as what we call it's analgesic or it relieves pain and mothers are most effective studies have compared the impact of um, using different types of caregivers to provide skin to skin we know that mothers are most effective but fathers are effective too so again this is something simple you can do for your baby you can ask if this is something that your health center can support and facilitate and increasingly NICUs are um, offering this uh, and encouraging parents to do this. And this is a big shift. Um, other strategies that work to reduce pain, and again, it's important to talk about these with your medical team. If you're at a point in your NICU stay where you are breastfeeding, um, breastfeeding um, reduces pain. Again, it's found to be, as I said before, analgesic. There is something about you know, the combination of the touch with the breast milk itself that reduces pain. Other strategies uh, that are used in the NICU include things like sucrose. So this is essentially a sugar water that has been found to significantly reduce pain. And again, it is used commonly in some NICUs. Um, so ask, don't be afraid to ask. Um, and then of course, depending on the procedure and how invasive it is, there are other types of pharmacological interventions that you should ask about with your team. Uh, we've made a lot of progress. Again, I mean, as recent as the 1970s and 80s, it was widely believed that babies didn't feel pain, especially premature babies. Um, it was taught in medical school and nursing school that premature babies were too neurologically immature to feel pain. Um, and so their pain was not managed well at all. And now we know pain does have long-term effects. We follow babies who've been in the NICU, who've had a high burden of procedures, and it does have a long-term impact on babies' brains and bodies, how they experience pain later in life. So don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to say, what are we going to do about my baby's pain? Pain management is important to me. I've heard that there are strategies that work to reduce pain. I want these used with my child. It's so important to give parents those words, right, to be able to say, this is what I can say. Because when you're in that space, there's so many thoughts and so many things in your head. So it, it, it's so powerful just to know those are questions that a clinician should respond to. I'm wondering about, you know, a lot of parents who are in the NICU, they're either still tube feeding or they're pumping, they're not able to breastfeed. Is there any evidence that, you know, feeding through a bottle or a tube is helpful along with, you know, maybe that sense of touch, even though it's not breastfeeding? Yeah, so people have looked at, you know, what are the critical elements and would even, you know, sucking on, on, you know, a soother or something like that be, be, you know, pain reducing. But the studies have shown that it is, you know, the skin to skin and the breastfeeding itself. And if breastfeeding isn't possible and understandably in a NICU environment, that may be a goal people are working towards, but perhaps not possible. Um, and so sucrose, again, has been found to be very effective. So 
It's sort of, there are a menu of different strategies that work to reduce pain. Some may be feasible and some aren't. And it's really about, yeah, you as a parent feeling comfortable taking a leadership role um, and having that conversation. And I totally, I had twins who were born late preterm um, at 34 weeks uh, and we were in the NICU for three weeks. And even at that stage where, um, you know, they were not, um, you know, extremely low birth weight, but it gave me a very small glimpse into what life is like in the NICU. Um, and even I, I joke with people that I'm a pediatric pain management expert and my husband is an anesthesiologist so we are you know we work in the hospital where our babies were being cared for and there were times where I was too stressed too overwhelmed um, too intimidated to be able to ask the right questions. I had this idea that I didn't want to bother my babies by taking them out of the incubator and putting them skin to skin for procedures. I really needed that kind of support from the team to urge me to feel comfortable. So it's a lot to ask for parents to, to try to initiate this, um, but I think having that conversation up front, pain management is important to me. Um, how can you support me and our team in helping make sure that happens for my baby? I often tell people about the story where, um, you know, the, the nurses started doing procedures before I could get there in the morning. I wasn't able to room in. Um, and they had this idea that it would be better if I wasn't there for the procedures, you know, to spare me. Um, and I was very clear with them that I did not want any painful procedures unless it was urgent, you know, so routine blood work and so on should wait until I was there. Um, and again, good intentions all around. Good intentions are the part of the medical team, um, but I had to be comfortable advocating for myself as a parent. So it's a tough place to be in, but I think you know important messages are that pain management is important. Um, while we hope that best available evidence is going to be used in practice, we know that isn't always the case. And as a parent, just simply putting that on the radar um, can play a really powerful role, um, not just for your child, but for other children in the unit as well. I'm wondering, what your thoughts are, what advice you might have if it's the parent who's feeling very overwhelmed. You know, like you said, you wanted to be there. You wanted present when those procedures were happening. There are some parents who would be like, no, that is not the place for me. Should a parent kind of try to fight through if they're feeling anxious mm -hmm. to hold their baby during a procedure or will you pass on that fear? I know I, I've heard that, that terminology for the longest time when our kids were getting their booster shots, I was like, nope, I'm not going to be the one to hold them because then they're going to end up hating needles because <laughs> I don't have a good relationship with them. And so I'm wondering if you're that parent in the NICU and you're, you're tensing up and you're worried about it, is, is that detrimental at all to, to then do the skin to skin? Which one should win out? Right. And that's it. You know, as parents, we all have our own strengths and weaknesses and what we bring to the table. And, you know, sometimes we feel anxious and we want to avoid something when the best solution is just to push through and try to deal with it and, and speak to the team around. I want to be able to do this, 
but I'm feeling nervous, um, you know, and they can help you work through like, are you scared you're going to drop the babies? Um, or what are your concerns? But studies with older children have shown that when parents are excessively anxious, that does get passed on to children. So the example of, you know, routine vaccinations and older children, um, when parents are nervous, and we've done studies on this in my lab, kids pick up on that fact and it actually can make their pain worse. Um, so, you know, parents who are properly supported, who feel comfortable um, and have tried, I mean, that's helpful, but also you don't have to feel guilty if you are making, you know, again, we're all just trying to make decisions that are in the best interest of our children. And sometimes that might mean you pushing yourself a little bit outside your comfort zone, um, but sometimes it also might mean you stepping back. Um, and if you have a partner who, you know, can cover off some of those responsibilities and say, you know, I, I just don't, I don't feel that this is something that I can do, but my husband or, you know, my, my partner is able and willing to do this. And so it's hard. It, it absolutely is hard. But I think the best thing parents can do is make the best decision uh, you know, for what you think is going to work for you and your child and your family, and then exempt yourself from any guilt attached to that decision. We all have good intentions. Um, and, um, you know, this is part of your parenting process is trying to figure these things out. And it's so hard because when you're in the moment, you have no idea which decision is going to have which impact and when it might show up. And you're right, you have to just not think about all the what ifs. Yeah. And what can I do right now? Yeah, you can just do, you know, what is the, what, what is the best decision I can make with the information available? What kind of support do I need to be able to be effective? Thinking of those days after the NICU, when you have follow-ups and you have vaccinations and all those kind of things, what are some of the tips for pain management for children then that parents should have in their minds? Right. So, you know, in the early days, many of the same strategies that work for pain in the NICU work for uh, pain, you know, from routine vaccinations. So breastfeeding, sucrose, um, use of topical anesthetic uh, creams and patches like Emla, uh, which parents can purchase over the counter at a local pharmacy. Um, you know, these work to significantly reduce pain. As children get older and, you know, proceed into sort of the toddler and, you know, early school-aged years, we know that psychological strategies like distraction, um, deep breathing, that these things make a big difference. And some physical strategies as well. I mean, we know that that uh, studies have shown that laying a baby out, you know, on an exam table to give a vaccination versus holding the baby, uh, and same with older children, you know, having them seated upright uh, as opposed to laying flat, you can imagine how vulnerable it feels to be laying that way, that these things you know, may seem simple, but actually studies have shown they impact pain. And again, having a conversation with the healthcare provider around, what's the best way that we can do these vaccinations for my family? And, you know, increasingly children are requiring more than one vaccination at a time. And studies have shown that even like 
There are certain vaccines that are more painful to administer than others. And studies have shown if you do the least painful vaccine first, the overall pain from the event is less. So again, and that's really up to the discretion of the, the person administering the vaccines. But don't assume that they know that. You know, uh, be comfortable saying, you know, what are, what are we going to do to help support my child's pain? And we often talk about pain management as having three prongs, the three P's of pain. There is the, you know, the pharmacological component. So for example, the topical anesthetics. There's the psychological component distraction. Um, and then there's the physical component of, you know, what you do and the positioning and so on. So earlier we referenced the, it doesn't have to hurt campaign, which is a great way for parents to find all these tips and these resources again, when they, when they need to hear them. Tell us a little bit about the campaign and about the information that's out there. Sure. So the It Doesn't Have to Hurt initiative really came about from my experiences as a mother. You know, I had the twins that I mentioned, they are now eight years old. I have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old as well. And I was struck through all of our medical interactions that all this great science that I had spent my whole career contributing to as a researcher wasn't getting used to the benefit of my own children. And, you know, just how much work it was for me as a parent knowledge user to make sure that that happened. And I sort of became the unofficial, you know, consultant in the NICU around, you know, oh, you have to take your kids for vaccinations, you know, uh, here's what you should do. Uh, talk to Christine. So what we did was apply to the Canadian Institutes of Health Research uh, to receive a partnership uh, type of grant with Erica M, who used to be on Much Music when I was growing up in the 80s. She was a video jockey, the first female video jockey, and now she uh, runs a very successful uh, communications company and online platform, yummymummyclub.ca, that's geared towards Canadian mothers. So we came up with this idea as I have all this science, not just on neonatal pain management, and I have so many colleagues who've contributed so, such excellent work in that area, but across all types of pain, headaches, stomach aches, day surgery. How do we get this to parents? Uh, parents want this information. So with Erica's team, we would identify the evidence that parents wanted in particular content areas. We would provide those evidence summaries to Erica and her team. They literally sort of knowledge translated it into compelling digital content. Instagram images, YouTube videos, Twitter chats, blog posts, and they pushed it out over their network of over 6 million Canadian moms. And so what that did was take the science out of the medical journals, out of the conferences, uh, put it in the hands of people who could actually use it. And what surprised us with this campaign wasn't just the interest um, in the content, which you know parents just want to know, what can I do? Um, but also the empowerment that parents felt as a result. Somehow parents said, this is, it made me feel more comfortable, you know, suggesting to medical professionals that we, we use these strategies. And, you know, one mother wrote us and said, I had to take my baby into the emergency department and he needed um, an IV. And uh, I asked the resident if I could breastfeed during the procedure. And initially he said no. Um, and the parents said, you know, I, I, I told him, I, I've learned about this. It doesn't have to hurt and he asked the head nurse the head nurse said go ahead and let her do it the procedure went very well and the resident said this was one of the best procedures I've done I'm going to recommend it breastfeeding to all of my patients moving forward and for me that speaks to the power of parents again not just in improving their own child's medical experience but in benefiting 
all children. When I think it's so powerful that as a parent, you can bring this forward and say, because it's based on research. It's not because it's based on a blog or it's because someone so told me. It's like, no, no, no. Because you put the research out there, it's actually evidence-based, not just word of mouth. And I think that combination is so fantastic. Yeah. And that, I mean, in this day and age of fake news and misinformation on social media, I mean, it's becoming such a challenging place for parents to find information they can trust. But yet as parents, we want it to be entertaining too, right? I mean, we scientists generally do a terrible job at making our science interesting. We make the worst videos, we don't get it. And so the idea that, as you say, we embedded evidence, but did it in a way that looked like parent storytelling. We had parents sharing their stories, but sharing, you know, best evidence. And I think that's really a model we need to move towards and that we'll be embracing in a new initiative we have now of making sure people who need evidence get it, but in a way that is, you know, comfortable, interesting, and trustworthy. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want parents listening to this to remember when it comes to pain management? parents understanding that pain management is important, that they shouldn't be afraid to ask for, you know, um, and set the bar in terms of what they expect for their child's pain management. For parents to know that evidence-based solutions are available. Um, it's not a matter of we don't know what works. In this space, we do know what works. And it's more around implementation, making sure that knowledge actually gets mobilized and used. And to that effect, we're really pleased that we have established um, a newly formed knowledge mobilization network uh, across Canada called Solutions for Kids in Pain. And uh, this is a large-scale initiative that engages patients and caregivers, all of the top scientists in Canada in children's pain management, all of the children's hospitals in Canada and other uh, health institutions, a key partnership with Children's Healthcare Canada, and over 75 partners. And the goal is to take our model that works so well with it doesn't have to hurt of finding partnerships to support knowledge mobilization, to mobilize knowledge to not just parents, but all users in the system. So including health professionals and policymakers, because parents are only one piece of this. And absolutely they're an important piece, but we wanna make sure we're sending parents into an environment where health professionals have the best evidence at their fingertips in a way that's appropriate for them. And that policymakers, you know, know what sorts of policies and, and decisions should be happening around pain in their institutions. So I would say that we're really just at the beginning of what we think is possible in terms of making sure science is put into practice to help kids with pain. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Thank you for having me. Dr. Christine Chambers is an award-winning researcher in the field of pain management, focusing on children's pain. You can find more of the information we talked about at itdoesnthavetohurt.ca. My name is Jenna Morton. I'm the host of With You in the NICU, a podcast created with parents of preemies in mind. With You in the NICU is created to keep pumping mothers and others company in and out of the NICU. It is produced for the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by Jenna Morton and Tosh Taylor. Financial assistance is provided through education grants from presenting sponsor Medela with support from AbbVie and Prolacta. You can learn more about the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation by following them on Facebook or online at cp.org.
bf-fbpc.org.